This morning, we are continuing in our series called The Missional Disciple. And the first week was a missional disciple will go. Last week, we looked at a missional disciple will make disciples. This week, we're looking at the missional disciple will go and make disciples of all the nations. We've got to make disciples of all the nations. And we're going to look at that this morning about how that works. Now, obviously, we've used Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 as our diving board. We call that the Great Commission. We've used that as a diving board to jump off into a swimming pool of different scriptures. This week, the primary scripture that we're looking at is Acts 1.8, which tells us, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God gives us this mission to go into all the world. And it is to start in our local communities, our Jerusalem. It is to go into our Judeas, our Samarias, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, in these previous weeks, we have looked at, we've seen how the missional disciple must go. And in the second week, make disciples. The term missional, it's not something that's like that's been around for a really long time. This phrase was coined originally by a guy named Leslie Newbigin as he served among the Indian people of Asia. He found that Indian believers were developing unhealthy dependence on foreigners to share the gospel, and that Indian nationals could spread the gospel more effectively than foreigners. He came to realization through his study of the book of Acts. And when he returned to his homeland of England, he saw the same problems. Englanders were leaving to the professional clergy to share the gospel instead of each one being a missionary. Newbigin argued that the key to gospel advance in any society lies in the hands of the laity. For the church, in its very essence, is missional. Every believer, he said, is an ordained, spirit-anointed missionary. We are all called to go. We are all called to be a missionary. Your missionary may be just your business. You may be a missionary in your school as a school teacher. Some of you have retired from teaching at schools. That was your mission field. You've seen your mission field broadened and expanded over your time. But we are all been, all of us who've been called by the grace of God are missionaries wherever we go. The title of missionary is never removed from our back. I saw where the Georgia player said, the G on the front is for the school. The name on the back is for my mama. Well, let me tell you something. The name in my heart is Jesus Christ. We are to go to all the nations for Jesus Christ. He is worth it. We are to go to all the nations. And listen to this. This is pretty cool. Of the 40 miracles recorded in Acts, 39 happened outside the church walls. That's 97.5% of all miracles that happened in Acts. You can safely conclude that the main place God wants to manifest his power is outside the church. Because he has already manifested himself to us. And we are the church. These walls, these stained glass windows, these TVs, this ain't the church. It's a facility that happens to hold a church on Sunday mornings. We are a church that cannot be held by walls. We are to go to all the nations. And we are not to limit ourselves. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the first point I want you to understand today. Is that the, the first factor of being a missional disciple to go to all nations is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. When we see this in Acts 1.8, he says, 
Luke writes this. He is also the author of Luke. And then he also writes in Acts because you find that out because he says, Oh, dear Theophilus, I'm writing this to you. So he's writing to the same dude. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so within the Lord's, we also see within the Lord's prayer, we hear the mission of the missional disciple. That mission is to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that cannot and will not be accomplished apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the missional disciple. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. As I said, Luke was the author of both uh, his gospel and of the book of Acts. And we see a similar instance in Luke 24, 46 through 47. Luke records, Then Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and then to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise, capital P, of my Father, that is the Holy Spirit, upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go to all nations. We cannot go in and of ourselves. We are weak. We are unrighteous. We are fragile people. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do great things. J.D. Greer put it this way. Through the Holy Spirit, God is in every believer. In the collected impact, Jesus says, of the Spirit multiplied in millions of believers is greater than if he himself stayed to lead the fishing trips. Jesus chose to leave a group of ordinary, mostly blue-collared men, workers, with the power of the Spirit and the promise that whomever they brought to faith in Christ would receive that power also. He didn't just leave it with I mean, he didn't leave it with the Pharisees. He left it with blue-collar people who showed faith in him and believed that what he said was true and were willing to give up and sacrifice all to follow him. You know, that was one of my points. The missional disciple, to make disciples, you got to be available. you got to be available to go. And the power of the Holy Spirit was going to make the disciples Christian witnesses. The Holy Spirit was going to make the disciples Christian witnesses. And that witness was to operate in an ever-extending series of concentric circles. First, it starts in Jerusalem, right? And then it expanded throughout Judea. And then it went into Samaria, the semi-Jewish state. And, uh, and it would be kind of a bridge leading out to the heathen world. And finally, this witness was to go out to the end of the earth. We have got to... Get out of our comfort zones and go out. We start locally. We have got a great ministry here that starts locally, and it's called the food closet. Our food closet goes out, and, and I say goes out, really, they come in to us. And so we have a great opportunity in our Jerusalem, right here in our own backyard, to minister to people and tell them about Jesus Christ. Getting to go out to each car and meet the folks. We have a lot of return people that come month after month after month. And we get to uh, pray with them and know what they're dealing with. I, I keep a little a chart uh, of their names and things I pray for them about. And I say, well, how's this been going? Last month we prayed about this. Or two months ago we prayed about that. Where are we at? And we get to reach out to them. And we get to say, listen, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Most of them will say yes. Do you have a church home? Many of them say no. We invite them to come and find new prospect as a church home. If they live further away, say find one closer to where you live. But we want people to be in 
a body of Christ growing to be disciples so they may be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and make disciples of all the nations. We are to go to all nations. Let us, let's think about a few things about what it means to be a witness. A witness is a man who says, I know this is true. When you're called upon to be a witness of something, you say, I saw this with my own eyes. I know this to be true. God calls us to be witnesses. In Acts 1.8, like I said, the scripture tells us, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. We're supposed to be witnesses. Things we have seen, things we know to be true, we pass those on verbally. We pass those on audibly as heralds of the gospel, that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he, he rose again, and he's coming again. We herald those things. We proclaim that. Every single individual can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, you've got a testimony God has done something in you. He's changed you. The greatest miracle that's ever been is the fact that he could take a dead, dying heart and replace it and put in a living heart so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the, that's the greatest miracle. We see things happen. Oh, my goodness, they, they got healed at the doctor's office. That can be miraculous. But to take someone who's dead in their sin and to see them saved and redeemed by the grace of God, that's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle. So a witness is a man who says, I know this is true. A witness is not of words, but of deeds. We're not just going to speak about it. We're going to live it. If we truly believe that we've got a mission from Christ, we are going to live it. It's going to be evidenced by the words we speak, the way we interact with one another, the way we talk about Jesus. It should be real close to the front of our lips every time we have a conversation with somebody. Jesus' name should be so close, it's almost dripping out your mouth like, like, you, like you're salivating over some good food. Like Jesus is just right there, you know? You know, Julie cooked this uh, sausage stuff that was given to us, and it had some jalapenos in there. And I, I said, oh, I can smell that. Oh, ooh, that smells so good. And it like almost made me salivate. I'm like, man, this is some good stuff, you know? And, and like, you get this opportunity, and you see people that don't know Christ, and they're floundering, and they're wandering, and it should be like, oh, I got this Jesus, and I just want to share him with you. And it puts you right there in your Jerusalem because they're right, in, right, right on your doorstep. And we need to take that effort. We need to take that opportunity. And a witness is not of words but of deeds. A witness had to be ready to become a martyr. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, the word for witness and the word for martyr is the same. It's the same word, witness and martyr. And to be a witness means to be loyal at any cost. At any cost. And to conclude this point from Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus makes a bold statement toward the apostles. He says, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Least in the kingdoms, least in the kingdom means you know the least about the Bible. It, 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 uh, it means you have the least talent. It means you're the least eloquent. It means you have the least number of spiritual gifts. It means, uh, stati statistically speaking, uh, that's got to be somebody. That's got to be somebody. So right now, you may be thinking, hey, that's, maybe that's me. <laughs> maybe I don't have all those things. And maybe you start to feel sorry for yourself. 
Don't. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Why is that? Because based on what Jesus said in Matthew, even you, bottom of the pile guy, girl, you have more potential for power in ministry than John the Baptist. Because A, you have the truth about the resurrection, which John the Baptist didn't fully know. And B, you have the Holy Spirit permanently dwelling in you, neither of which John the Baptist had. That means it is no longer about your abilities in ministry. It's about your availability. Does that sound familiar? It's not about your abilities in ministry. It's about your availability to be used by the Holy Spirit. God, you see, can accomplish more through one willing vessel than all the talent in the universe. J.D. Greer said that out of his Above All book. It's a great book uh, that I used in reference for this sermon this week. So the first thing we need to understand about being a disciple that goes to all nations, that makes disciples of all nations, is this. We've got to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can do great things, greater things than John the Baptist. He was the forerunner for Jesus. And Jesus said, not somebody, Jesus said, we can do greater things than he did. Because we have the knowledge of the resurrection and we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Second factor of how the missional disciple will make disciples of all nations is uh, we will value human life. If you never see a value of human life, you're not going to share the gospel. You're not. When we see people as Christ saw people, we will begin to understand the gravity of the call to make disciples of all nations. We will see it. Because every human being is created in the image of God. And because we have been redeemed, we, that should compel us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to any and all peoples. In Matthew chapter 23, 22, excuse me, verses 37 through 40, we get, the, we get the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, on these two commandments, all the laws and prophets hang upon them. And listen, if we love Christ and we love our neighbors ourselves, we are going to value them and share the gospel with them. They are our first line of the nations. Our neighbors around us in our neighborhood. Now, we know that neighbor is not geographically limited to the driveway next to us. You know, that's not really exactly what that means. But we do know because today we use that term for those individuals that live across from us and beside us and potentially behind us. That's our neighbors. But our neighbor by scripture is anyone and everyone we come in contact with. We have to start sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone. And today, in view of Sanctity of Life Human Sunday, uh, excuse me, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we desire to support the ongoing effort to save human lives. Saving human life in regard to today's emphasis is on the physical life of those most vulnerable, but the spiritual life is also of utmost importance. That is why both of these emphases are, in, are vital to the mission of our church and to the church as a whole. And just as in the spiritual aspect, in the physical aspect, dimensions and choices of the past are forgiven through the power of Jesus Christ. Consequences may remain, or the memory may remain, but the guilt and shame from those decisions do not have to remain. There are people who have made choices, unfortunately, either of their own accord. They may have been pressured by other people to terminate or end the life of a, of a child. Listen, God can forgive any and all. I don't want anybody to ever think that I've done something that God can't forgive. Until you die, God can forgive anything you've done. 
There is no sin beyond the forgiveness of Christ. His blood is mighty and powerful and enough to forgive any and all sins. It is. And if you doubt that today, you're doubting Christ. I'm telling you, he can forgive any and every sin that's committed on this side of the grave. And some people think, no, that's, that's impossible. That's not true. Yes, it is true. It is true. Forgiveness is available because your life that continues on is valuable and you should make the most of it while the Lord allows you to have it. And our love for you, this church, our love for you is greater than the shame the devil throws at you. You are not your past. You are Christ's through salvation. You are not your past. Maybe what you've done, the devil wants to define you by your past. No. You are not defined by your past. You're defined by Jesus' life if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Quit letting that devil accuse you and hold things against you that God has already bore on the cross. Quit it. And in, and in Jesus' name, I, I, I urge you and compel you. Christ has forgiven you if you've asked for it. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. In 1 Corinthians 12, we have the explanation of gifts. But leading into chapter 13, Paul explains what gives value to those gifts. And it is love. If we love Christ and love people, these gifts will be empowered. But if these gifts are done for personal and selfish motives and purposes, these gifts will be weakened or useless. We must love our fellow man, not in their sin, but in spite of their sin. Just as Christ loved us and in spite of our sin in response to God's plan for his life, we too are to love the lost in spite of their sin so that they may be reconciled to him. And we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Paul wrote of that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the all has become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled uh, us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, just like I talked about. Get out of your past. Live in Christ. Don't live in your past. Live in Christ. And, thus, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made himself who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It is his work. It is his salvation work. It is our effort within that to serve him faithfully. We reveal the fact that there is value in human life because God sends us to people. Jesus sent out the disciples. He sent them out first to the Jews, and then they came back. And then he sent them out to the, to the, uh, to the Gentiles, and he sent them out. Why is that? Because all people have value to Christ, whether it be in the womb or whether it be on the verge of the tomb. It doesn't matter there is value, and because there's value, everyone has a gifting, and everyone is created in the image of God. So therefore, we go as missional disciples to make disciples of all nations, because every life has value.
Every life has value. And just before this, before this, before, uh, Paul wrote that in 2 Corinthians 5, in those verses there, verses 17 through 21, he, he writes this, For the love of Christ compels us. And since Christ has loved us so much and lavished his love on us, we too should lavish his love on others. When we see people as Christ saw us, as sheep without a shepherd, we will go and make disciples of all nations. In Matthew 9, 35-36, Matthew records this. He says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. We are to go and share the gospel with all people. Because without a shepherd, people are wandering. They don't know what's good. They don't know when to lie down in those green pastures. They don't know uh, how to rise up. They don't know the feeling of a rod and a staff comforting them when they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They don't know how to live a life without fear because they ain't got the great shepherd. But if you have Jesus Christ, you can know that peace that only comes from the greatest shepherd there is who is guarding you, protecting you, walking with you even when you don't even realize it. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Is what that song said they sung a minute ago. He is with you and he will see you through. He loves us because he values our life. When we see the lost as Christ, we will value them enough to share the gospel of the kingdom. And lastly, no distance is too far. For the missional disciple to go to all the nations, no distance is too far. When we read that in Matthew chapter 28, and he says, um, verse, beginning in verse 18, Jesus says, And all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Go and make disciples of all the nations. This phrase, of all the nations, is translated from the original language, panta ta ethne. Okay? And nine times this phrase means people groups. This command has its corresponding promise of success in Matthew 24, 14. It says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, ethne, and then the end will come. People think that there's going to be some big temple built over in Israel. And then when the temple, when the final nail is driven, oh, the Lord's going to break through the eastern sky. That's not true. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, to every people group, and then the end will come. Why, is, why are missions so important? Because don't you want Christ to return? We want Christ to return, but the Bible says that the Lord is not slack, as some consider slackness, but it's his desire that none uh, desire, but that all come to repentance. He is taking his time because we need to get to every people group. We've got to go to all the nations. And, and yes, this is a plea to the whole church, to the universal church. But church, we are part of that. So we can't forsake our part in what it takes to go to all the nations. We can't forsake that. 
We give to Lottie Moon. We give to Annie Armstrong. We give to these missionary projects, these missionary outreaches. And listen, those are great and fantastic, and they do their work. But you and I are all called as individuals, to, as missionaries, where we are in that language of Matthew 28 is, as you go, as you go, make disciples of all nations. It's not like, okay, plan a trip six months out, one year from now, and make disciples then. It's as you go, make disciples of all the nations. So this means that it's not so much reaching a geographical area, but rather particular groups of people. So John Piper wrote this, there's no good reason for construing this to mean anything other than the gospel must reach all the people of the world before the end comes. And when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations, there's no good reason for construing this to mean anything other than the missionary task of the church is to press on to all the unreached peoples until the Lord comes. We are to press on sharing the gospel, whether it be us personally going, us personally praying, us personally generously giving financially so others may go. It might be that you're at a place where you say, I can't go. I can't get on a plane. It might be you say, I can't ride in a car for long distances. I can't ride in a car for short distances for whatever reason. You know, whatever it may be. You can't get to where you, where you feel like you want to go. But that doesn't mean that your prayers can't go there. It doesn't mean that your finances and your resources can't go there. We can make a way to get there one way or another. We can make a way for the gospel to get somewhere. The thing is, is do we want to? We got to want to. We need to understand also, we hear this, I've heard this, there's the 1040 window and we've heard reached people groups and unreached people groups and kind of all this kind of different language. It comes, out, it comes to us from the International Mission Board, which, we, uh, which is called the IMB. And we need to understand what is meant from reached people groups and unreached people groups. A reached people group is when mission efforts have established an indigenous church that has the strength and resources to evangelize the rest of the group. And an unreached people group is a people group within which there is no indigenous community of believing, of believing Christians able to evangelize this, this people group. So we understand that an unreached people group says that there's, there's not enough people to really start evangelizing. Very few, maybe one in that, in that people group. We, we need to reach every people group. Because you know why? It's kind of important. Because John the Revelator in Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10, in his revelation, the scripture tells us that there were people from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lord, before the Lamb. They're all there. John had a revelation of this. So he knows, he knows these people are going to be there, but how are they going to get there? God revealed that to him when he had that vision. It's because God sent you and me. God saved you and me. And gives us the opportunity because of the blessings and the giftedness that he's given us to be able to reach out to those people, to all of them, so that all may be around the throne of the Lamb, glorifying him and praising him forever. God's called us to that. And in Romans 15, 8 and 9, Paul states the twofold purpose of Christ's coming. He says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that is, became incarnate as a Jew, to show God's truthfulness in order, one, to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, that's all the Old Testament to confirm them that, hey, look, 
God's keeping his word. He's sending the Messiah. And number two, that the Gentiles, ta ethne, might glorify God for his mercy. The first reason is to prove his faithfulness to his covenants of the Old Testament. And the second reason is that the nations might glorify God for his mercy. God could have just come for the Jews. That was his people. But God says, no, I'm for all people. Ta'ethne, every people group. I'm for every one of them. God did not come to select a few people or a few people in a geographical area or a few people in a geographical area of a certain culture. He came for all. And we are to go for all. Because if we get in this idea that Christ is only intended for certain folks, we've lost the mission. We've lost the mission. And when I, when I think about this within our local context, I believe we, can all be, we would all be shocked at the diversity of the culture, even in Walker County. I mean, we have a very diverse culture in Walker County. I mean, Julie works at a doctor's office. If you've worked at a doctor's office, if you work in the schools, if you work in different places like that, you know you've seen lots of people from lots, lots of different ethnicities, people groups, if you will. You've seen a lot of different people come in. So you know there's great diversity even here in Walker County. So it's not, you know, it might not be that we've got to go so far, we just got to be willing to go somewhere. And then, as we expand to the bigger context, such as Birmingham, we will see an even greater diversity of culture and people groups. I think about when, when we went over there for Brogan, uh, when we went over there for the first visitation before we even joined, or got accepted, or whatever you call that thing. Um, <laughs> he didn't join, trust me, we paid money, so... Um, but anyway, when, it, when he became a part of UAB, they walk you down this hall, and they've got this big map of the entire world. And they've got uh, push pins in every country of which is represented by a student. And I'm telling you, that whole board, just about every country had a push pin in it because UAB has somebody from almost every country going to their school. There it is, Ta Ethne, just about 45 minutes down the road at UAB. And if you went into the hospitals, you know good and well, there's a good variety of folks from all over the world right there in the hub of Birmingham. Missions don't have to be all around the world. They should be and they can be, but they don't have to be. And then you think about, you go out to the greater areas such as Atlanta or Nashville, Memphis or Orlando, and you know good and well, man, that, those places are overwhelmed with a variety of cultures and diversity and, 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 and diversity. And, and that's wonderful. Because you know what? It gives us a greater opportunity to share the gospel with more people because they may go back to wherever they're visiting from and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we can't become complacent and lazy in our faith and, and realize that each person you come in contact with is an opportunity, another person in your Jerusalem to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, obviously... <laughs> There probably wouldn't be any unreached people groups within the United States. Probably not any unreached people groups in the United States. But we need to begin reaching within our arm's length. We need to begin reaching within our arm's length. We have to reach our Jerusalem. That's Jasper and Walker County. We need to engage our Judea. That's Alabama, if you will, or the South. We need to engage our Samaria. That's the United States. And then we need to engage the ends of the earth. Obviously, that's the world. That's everywhere. And we need to be a part of it in any way and every shape we can. Now, we, like I said, we give to the cooperative program through the Southern Baptist Convention, which gives us the opportunity to reach many people. Through NAM, 
that stands, that's NAMB, North American Mission Board, and also through the International Mission Board, the IMB. We give to those two, those two uh, entities within the Southern Baptist Convention, which sends out multiple and many missionaries all across the globe and locally on the United States and North America, uh, the North American Mission Board. And we, we, our monies that we give, our tithes that we give, goes to that. So you may say, well, I give to that, and that's perfectly fine. And that might be the extent of what your budget will allow you to do. Fantastic, because you know what? You're supporting missions. You're supporting God going uh, with people all over the place. On the back table in the foyer, there's a prayer calendar. You can take that with you. That prayer calendar is created by the North American Mission Board. And there's church planners all across the United States that are listed on there. And each week you flip it and there's a new church planner and missionary. And you, sh you can pray over that family. Take one if you've not taken one already. Please don't forget about that. Pray for them. I'm talking about going to all the nations right here. We've got all the nations. And so we have that opportunity. So for us to be missional disciples, going to all the nations, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to know the value of people. We see that because God saved us, right? We need to know the value of people, and we need to be willing to go any distance as a missional disciple.